So we're reading from the New King James Version, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. 1, 2, let's go. But the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in this, the wisdom of God, they do not know him. It pleased God through the foolishness of this message to pray. For Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Right, so this morning we're examining the wisdom of God. We're looking at the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man or the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man or the wisdom of this world. One thing about the wisdom of God is that it's, or it's often too simplistic to the end that man sees it as foolishness. So the Bible says uh, the message of the cross to the Jews is a stumbling block because they refuse to believe in the Messiah. And the fact that a humble, simple man of Galilee, carpenter, can become or can be the son of God who takes away the sins of the world. And to the Greek, because they're too knowledgeable. They are too astute to want to listen to a carpenter. Then it's, it's foolishness to them. Because they don't understand why God, you know, in all the world is looking for, you know, a Messiah. And then it's one carpenter that he will go and pick up when they have professors. You know, you know you've heard about Greek mythology. Yeah. So you, you, you know how that came to be? These guys are very astute. They, they, they're very cerebral people. So the Bible simply puts man, human race through the writing of Paul here in 1 Corinthians 18 into two categories. The ones that are heavily religious, the Jews, and the ones who are heavily cerebral, the Greeks. Those two kinds of people will always have issues with the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of God will not pander towards religion, you know, too heavily. Because there's a difference between religion and, and real Christianity, which is premised on the finished work of Christ. Religion says, do. You have to do this, you have to do that. You know, so there are do's and don'ts, and you have to arrange things and do this and do that. Why real Christianity in Christ says, done. Jesus said it is finished. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the difference. So if you are too heavy on religion, you won't understand the wisdom of God. At the same time, if you are overly cerebral, it's good to be cerebral. But if you are overly cerebral, if you, are, if you dwell too much on your intelligence, yeah, the wisdom of God then becomes foolishness to you. And you stay with me this morning. So there are two kinds of wisdom. The wisdom of God and the wisdom of men. That's wisdom for daily living. Christ came from that point of view. He didn't come to impress anybody. His appearance was nothing, you know, 
As I was prophesying about him, he called him a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He said it, it, it was not, there was nothing comely about him. All right? So if, you, if your picture of Christ was one, you know, tall, light, and handsome, you know, I said light because he came from Jerusalem, all right? <laughs> so normally we say tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> if that was your impression of Christ, you know, and all that, as I prophesied about him, he said he was a, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He, there was nothing so comely about him, you know, and all that. And when you say somebody's acquainted with grief, he was often depressed. That was what it means. He suffered depressions, depression from time to time. So if he, that was why the Bible says he was in all ways. The Bible calls him an high priest that was taught with the feelings of our infirmities. So he went through the things that we went through. And the Bible says he was in all ways tempted the same way we were and without sin. So if you are depressed right now, Christ was once depressed. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, but he overcame it. So he knows what you feel when you are depressed. Yeah, he knows what you feel when you're going through trouble. He was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. Have you read that in your Bible before? Yeah. And the Bible says there was nothing comely about him. So God sent him. And you know, even the process of his birth was too, he was embroiled in all sorts of dispute and all that. Somebody made a claim that I didn't sleep with anybody. Then I got pregnant. God could have done better. He wanted to send his son. Why all this <laughs> controversy? I don't know if you, you, you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Why all this controversy? So he was just a display of God's wisdom. The Bible says he's used the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So Christ came, nothing comely about him. He was just a simple, you know, simple guy. But the wisdom of God coming out of him, and he came to portray the wisdom of God to us as something that can happen in our lives on a daily basis. And that's where I'm going this morning. There's spectacular wisdom, but there's another aspect of the wisdom of God that's just about daily living. You know, some unpopular snippets from uh, God's wisdom from Christ, for instance. Just to portray that this thing is just about, you know, how we live our lives. So Jesus came, for instance, and said, pray for your enemy. And you ask yourself, what kind of useless wisdom is that? <laughs> Are you still here today? Matthew 25, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. I'm reading down to 42. It says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him. To him also. If anyone wants you to, to, wants to sue you say take a, and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, say go with him two miles. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Look at Let's jump to verse uh, 43, and, uh, 43 down to 45. It says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of of your father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. Does this sound like wisdom? Anyone in the house this morning? So when you check out the wisdom. 
that we're talking about what Christ came to present as a day-to-day living kind of wisdom. It talks about praying for your enemy, doing good to uh, them that hate you. Say, turn the other cheek. When slapped on the other one, say, go the extra mile. Said if somebody has for your, you know, for your coat, give him your cloak. He said, the wisdom of Jesus says, it's better to give than to receive. These are pure day-to-day living wisdom. Somebody stay with me today. I said, are you still with me today? Many times they came to Jesus in his nat- um, no, I mean, uh, um, natural life here on earth. And they would tell him, you know, what do you think about this? So the woman brought, you know, caught in adultery, brought him to Jesus, brought her to Jesus. and said, what do you think about her? Moses said we should stone her. Yeah, that's the wisdom of the flesh. And Jesus said, okay, you can, you can stone her. But the only thing is, they're the one that has no sin. Let him throw the first stone. And they, you know, the Bible says Jesus stooped down and started to write on the floor. Theologians said, theologians, Bible historians, they said Jesus was writing all kinds of sins on the floor. Yeah. Maybe he started with the sin of the woman, adultery. And then after I was a line, he said this. All the acts of sin he was writing. And the ones who stayed the last were the ones who were like, ah, he has not written my own. <laughs> he has not written my own. <laughs> <laughs> and the moment he got to them and wrote their own, ah, bros, why now? Throw the stone down and then walk away. What did he do? He, he, he created an atmosphere of mercy around the woman. Atmosphere of mercy around this woman. So that everyone can see that there's no justification for going through this route. So when you're at work and somebody did something very extremely silly, and then you ask the Holy Spirit, how should I resolve this case? Give me wisdom to resolve this case. See, the truth is the first thing that will come to your mind is your natural wisdom. And the natural wisdom, a lot of the time, will just take us through the strength of the natural. But when we can really depend on the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, we have received, <laughs> not the Spirit, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God. The spirit that is from God. That's what we have received. And if I have received it, then I have it. And I can walk with him. He can guide me. And he can supply me God's wisdom from time to time. That's when I choose not to go the way of the natural man. Because verse 14 says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I need to be to choose to discern by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Let me start to round off this morning by just looking at a few attributes of God's kind of wisdom. So somebody's saying, How do I judge to know whether this is God's wisdom or not? When things come to my mind in critical moments and critical situations and I have to go the way of wisdom, how do I identify God's wisdom? How do I know wisdom that is from God? One, and to buttress this that I'm going to say right now, 
uh, please pardon me. James chapter 3, when you read verse 13 to 18, you will see a description of some of the attributes of the wisdom of God. James chapter 3, verse uh, 13 to 18. So the Bible says, who is wise and understanding among you? So let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. Said this wisdom does not descend from above, but is utterly sensual, demonic. Look at this. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Look at this last one. It says, but the wisdom that is from above. Somebody say from above. Oh, come on, say it again. Say from above. So these are the descriptions of the wisdom which is from above, which is from God. Said so the wisdom which is from above is first pure. Somebody say pure. pure. It is then peaceable. Say peaceable. peaceable. Bible says it's gentle. Say gentle. Said so it's willing to yield. Full of mercy. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> and it says, and good fruits. Without partiality. And without hypocrisy. Attribute of God's wisdom. First is that it is peaceable. Peaceable. You see, this one that you say you are operating wisdom. And everybody's asking you to calm down. And you say, come for where? Come for where? And I didn't come to Cambridge in Lagos. Come, come for... The moment you get to that point where people are saying it's enough, it's, it's, and you cannot, wisdom of God cannot rest. The wisdom cannot rest on you. Just take it from me. Bible says the wisdom which is from above is first and foremost peaceable. There's some kind of peace about it. All right? Peaceable. Peaceable. Anytime you have lost your peace, you literally cannot engage the wisdom of God at that material point in time. You really want to engage the wisdom of God, calm down, take a chill pill. All right? Just, just relax. And then ask God, Lord, how do we go through this process? When you have lost your peace, the wisdom of God cannot manifest. Because wisdom which is from above is peaceable. It's also not self-seeking. It's not self-seeking. By the way, when you say something is peaceable, in the scripture there, it said it's easily entreatable. Ah, they send one person to you. Send two, send three, send four. And you still said, no way. Just know that that cannot be God's wisdom that you're operating in. Because the Bible says it's peaceable and easily entreatable. Easily entreatable. I will not pretend to feel the pain you're going through. No, I cannot comprehend the hurt you've known And I used to think it mattered if I understood But now I just don't know Well, I'll admit sometimes I still wish I knew what to say I keep looking for a way to fix it all 
But we know we're at the mercy of God's higher ways And our ways are so small The wisdom of God totally is patient Whenever you're operating in wisdom And you're saying this is the wisdom that I want to employ And this wisdom does not give time to check things out properly Then it's not God's wisdom because all through the Bible, the Bible says we be a follower of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Even when you are working in faith, faith and patience work together. The wisdom of God, number four, is always working hand in hand with the truth. So anytime you are working in the wisdom of God and you have to color the truth or tell a lie, that's not God's wisdom. Yeah. Because some people say, we need to apply wisdom. Whenever people tell you that we need to apply wisdom, you know that they, are, they want to lead you astray. Because what have we, have we been doing? <laughs> have we been foolish before now? Because when people start to say, we need to apply wisdom here, what they are trying to say is that, look, we need to find one very corny way to go around this thing. Are you still with me? I said, are you still with me? Yeah. So the wisdom of God, see, truth is never far from wisdom. They work hand in hand. Whatever makes you to want to go away from the truth is not the wisdom that is from above. Yeah, it's not the wisdom that is from above. The wisdom of God is also responsible. Responsible. Doesn't pass the buck. A shark from responsibilities. Yeah, the wisdom of God is responsible. You see, whenever anything happens and you are supposed to say, yes, I did it, or yes, I want to take responsibility for it, and you decide not to and find something else, that's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is responsible. It holds up to say, look, this is the truth, and this is what happened here, and this is. Anything short of that is not the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of man. And it's going to put it into trouble. You put it into trouble. Wisdom of God doesn't sell or trade the future. Time will not permit me to get into it fully. But when you read the story of Jacob and Esau, Esau traded with the future. Sold his birthright. All right? The moment Jacob went there, he should have said, don't go there. You see, you find yourself in situations where you have the option of trading the future. It's never really God's wisdom. The Bible calls, how do I know that? The Bible calls, in the book of Hebrews, calls Esau a profane person because he sold the future. There are some certain things that don't have real bearing in the moment, but they are important for the future. Anytime you do away with them for the pleasure of the moment, it's not God's wisdom. You can interpret it over miles of life issues. From, you know, living anyhow now, selling your asset or not acquiring asset and just spending everything now and now and, you know, no wisdom of self-restraint to something that you're supposed to keep. I mean, for instance, premarital sex is selling the future. It's wisdom of selling the future. Because something that you're supposed to check out in the future, you're checking it out now. 
So you are deriving the pleasure that is supposed to be in your future, in your present. That's not, there's no wisdom of God in it. I'm telling you the truth. The wisdom of God doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. I don't care the excuse that you have. That they said in this family, everybody must get pregnant before we consent to their wedding. But when that thing causes problem for you in the future, they will not be there with you. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. The wisdom of God will never sell the future for the current moment. Mm-hmm.